Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. You know, there's no shortage of approaches to boosting sales and driving customer success. Well, my guest today tells his clients and audiences to stop trying to hit home runs and start helping your clients hit home runs. Ron Carr is the mastermind behind the Velocity Mindset. We're going to talk today about how to help you balance both the speed and the direction of your efforts to multiply your sales and grow your business relationships. We're talking to the brilliant Ron Carr on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. I'm David Averin. Back in 30 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, and thanks and welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. We talk customer experience, but we just talk business pretty much in general as well. And today I'm real excited because uh, it's a good friend of mine, but but beyond brilliant, early in my career, 20 years ago, Ron Carr was a great mentor for me, helped me see the business that I was in differently. Uh, I remember sitting out at the pool at one of our, our speaker events, and he was like, stop worrying about the one sale, the one speaking gig, worry about all of the spinoff and understand that the work that you're doing is kicking off a longer relationship. And it was instrumental in my business. Now, over the years, um, I've been a friend, I've been a fan, uh, so many great books out. And now he's got one of the one of the best philosophies, philosophies. And I thought this is a great opportunity to have him on the show and to talk about the velocity mindset. Before I welcome you specifically, um, Ron, let me here's a quick introduction. Ron Carr has worked with leaders on six continents to eliminate risk, gain buy-in, and achieve better results faster with the Velocity Mindset. His presentations and advisory services have generated over a billion dollars in incremental revenue for his clients. He's the author of five books, including his latest book, The Velocity Mindset, his bestseller, greatest title ever, Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. He facilitates the Chief Revenue Officer Mastermind Group made up of CEOs and VPs from um, that are building high-performance sales cultures. And uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here with you, my friend. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny that we sort of move into podcast mode. We talk as friends. We talk as colleagues. We have been colleagues for for twenty plus years. But um, this is a good opportunity to have one of those conversations, one of those great conversations we always have, and invite others to listen in. Um, some of this I understand, and some of it will I'll ask you to go a little bit deeper for our audience of business owners, entrepreneurs, and others. But I guess the best first question is, describe the velocity mindset, what that means, and then we'll go back a little bit about what brought you to this recognition, this understanding, and this, this really um, innovative idea. Sure. So, David, when you hear the word velocity, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Speed. Yes. And most people say speed, momentum, whatever. Sure. But if that's all that comes to your mind, then you don't have velocity. In fact, you'll probably get burnout. 
Let me explain. You ever have one of those days when you're just going through your to-do list and you're going, 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 you're so proud of yourself, you're checking them off, but by the end of the day, you didn't have time for lunch and you're tired and you're so proud you checked them all off, but then you ask yourself, but did I really move the needle forward? And when the answer is no, how deflated you get. You ever have one of those days? Yesterday. Okay. So that's because, and that gets to the definition of velocity. Velocity is just not speed. If that's all you think it is, it's burnout. The true definition of velocity, the physics definition, is speed with direction. So let's suppose that I wanted to fly from Fort Lauderdale Airport to Newark. I go to the airport and I ask the pilot where we're going. And if he says, wherever the winds take us, he has no direction. Do you think I'd stay on that plane? Right. Hell no, would you? No. No. What does a pilot do? They start with the end in sight first, the direction. Newark, that's where they want to go. Then they work their way backwards to find the three or four waypoints, knowing that if they pass those places, they're on their way to Newark. They factor in potential obstacles, storms, winds, and they come up with a flight plan that gives them the safest and fastest way to get to Newark. That's velocity. And the reason why direction is so important for all of us, whether we're selling people or whether we're managing people or trying to influence our families or whatever, if you don't have that direction, that goal, what you want to accomplish as a result of that conversation, then all roads will get you there. And that's when you're going to be doing the wrong actions. You'll talk too much. You won't listen. But if you have the right goal in mind, it will dictate your actions on the call. You'll make better decisions and you'll carry out better tasks. I'll give you an example. Let's suppose you're talking to a salesperson. They know the numbers. It takes five calls before they get a prospect on board as a customer. So you ask that person, what's your goal for the first call? Oh, simple. I want them as a customer. I want to close the deal. I'm going, well, wait a minute. You just said it takes five calls to get that customer. Right. And they go, yeah. Well, if you're going in with a goal in the first call, which is to close the deal, you're going to make worse decisions and do the worst actions. You're going to talk too much because you're trying to close. You're going to try and close them so many times. You're not listening and you're not asking questions. A more appropriate goal for that call would be to A, find out where the customer's trying to get to and what the challenges are. B, find out if there's a synergy between the two of you, if it's qualified. And C, come up to a, 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 an agreed upon path forward on what the next steps should be. That now will help you make better decisions on that call and help you do the right task. So velocity is speed with direction. You know, it's interesting because we see, I mean, there's no shortage of people who've been talking sales and teach sales. And most organizations, I think if you ask them, if you understand the goal, they would all say yes. But what we find, I mean, I think if we're going to use your airplane uh, analogy is I can get to Newark, but I can also connect through Dallas or connect through Chicago or worse yet, coming from Denver, connect through Seattle, and then I'm going the wrong direction. Momentum is different than velocity, isn't it? Momentum is just moving forward, but are we moving forward to the right place? It's exactly. so easy today to get distracted. So I got, a, I got an example that we use in the book from uh, one of my best success stories. Um, I did a lot of work for a lot of divisions of our multinational chemical manufacturer out of Germany. And one of these divisions took 20 years to create a reagent in mining copper. It took them 20 years. When they came out with it in the 80s, a lot of copper mines were going bankrupt because of the high cost. Now, in copper, Dave, 
you know, you don't set your price. The commodity exchange sets that. Sure. So sure. the only way you impact your profitability is by production. You can't be down. And that's important for your listeners to understand. If you're not having a big enough conversation about the enterprise, what the levers are that are making all the decisions, then you're at a disadvantage when you're actually trying to sell them something. So um, I did a program for this division and uh, the, the vice president came up to me, Dennis said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's up? And he goes, look, you know, we just came out with this reagent, cut in half the cost of mining copper. Our sales shot up like this when you have something so great coming out. But then what happens? The competition sees it, they wanna compete. They create a knockoff, not as good as yours, but how do they compete? On price. And in that industry, they always bought volume contracts every three years for lowest price. And I said, okay, so what would you like me to do? He goes, we have a big meeting with 18 people next week on the sourcing team of the largest copper mining company in the world. I want you to fly out and get us ready. It's like, great, flew out, Tucson, sat down with the team and I asked him this one question. What do you want as a result of my intervention? And the answer was, we wanna win the bid. And I said, that was not my question. Yep. My question is, what do you really want? And they said, what do you mean? I said, look, winning the bid, you're answering from the past. That's how they've always bought. That's how you always sold. And if all you do is answer from the past, not creating a new future, you're simply recreating the past. I want you to forget about the past and let your passion come out. If you got the deal that you really wanted, if you controlled your destiny, what would it look like? And that passion came out. I said, why bid? I said, keep going. Why bid? We saved this industry. So what do you want? We want to negotiate a deal. I said, fine. They buy every three years, lowest price, 10 years. Why 10? Life of the patents. I said, okay. You got 25% of the demand, nice. 75%. So then I said this one question to him. I said, so what you're telling me is you want a 10-year negotiated deal, 75% of the demand, and negotiated on a fair volume price. Is that what I'm hearing? And they said, yes. I said, well, here's what you have to understand. You can get that if you really want to, but it's going to take a different set of actions to achieve that yeah. than it is to win a bid. And then, David, they asked me the Facebook question. How do we do it? What do you think my answer was? I said I, had, I said, I have no clue. Yeah, right. And they looked at me and they go, what? You don't know it, right. Well, I love that line. And, and I've seen you speak before. And, I, and, and when you say that, that like, I have no idea. And of course, it always takes them back. But I'm a big believer that prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Yeah, exactly. There are so many competitors back in my marketing days and as speakers, they come and say, here's what I do. Here's what I can offer. That's product centric. We're really good at this. We want to sell as much as possible, as opposed to right customer centric, which is understanding them better than your competitors so you can serve them better. So it's the perfect answer. Of course, you don't know. You don't know until you've really dug deep into but, but, the but, but here's where a big, a lot of leaders and sales execs go wrong, okay? They feel they have to have the answers. Right. How can you? If you haven't been there before, how can you have the answers? If you have all the answers every time to what you're doing, you're doing it from the past for what you know, and you're never right. going to break through to new ground. So leaders know that their job is not necessarily to have the answer. Their job is to find the answers and ask the right questions. Right. So my job in leading them over eight, the next 18 months, we met every quarter. I'd come in and say, what do we know? What do we not know? Where are they trying to go? What do we find out? 
and then we percolate it. So about five months into the deal, I get a call from one of the team members says, we got the answer. I said, what do you mean? They said, be like Caterpillar. Why? Caterpillar has a man on site. Remember, production is all the key, right? Not right. right. So if a tire goes down, they can fix it immediately. So I flew out and we had a talk. I said, what if we put a man on site? What could we do? We came up with a list of 20 items that we can help the company with. Now, David, as you know, as I know, sometimes selling something for free is harder than selling it for free. And so it took us a while to convince them to have a man on site because they didn't know the value, but they did it. Then they loved the guy because he became one of them. He was helping them do things more effectively. And then I said to my client, let's call this a mindset services program and go trade market. And they said, why? Just do it. It became so valuable to them that in the bid, one of the big parts they asked for was a mindset services program. The other two multinationals queried, what is a mindset services? Right. And it gave my, their client the right to take the bid back because if they didn't have it, because by asking that question, they didn't have it. So they realized there's only one qualified person to have, which is my client. Love the strategy. And therefore, they went into a negotiation and got the deal. Yeah. Well, I always talk to clients. I said, if you have an opportunity, because you've got a relationship, everybody talks about the value of the relationship, to help them write the bid with certain qualifications that only you meet, you know, it, it makes it easier to get through that. And I know that's not what you're talking, any kind of manipulation, right. but you really did create something. Well, no, you want to control the bid. Yeah. Controlling a bid is not doing anything illegal or untoward. Controlling a bid, I mean, is going there before the deal comes out. See, most salespeople, Dave, go for when the deal's out, the bid is out. Right. If you enter the deal at that point, you're at a disadvantage because it's around someone else's specs. You're going to be tied to price and that's it. You want to get in there before the deal is announced. So you can ask the what if questions. What's going on? What are you struggling with? What do you wish you could do better? Then you give them an idea of how life could be better. And then one or two things will happen. If they have to bid, then at least they'll say, give me information what I need. They put that into the bid. Or if they don't have to bid, they may go straight to the deal. But that's how you differentiate yourself from the competition. Right. For a lot, it's a lot of work up front, but you're really taking a passive approach. You're responding to something, you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping. Um, let's get back to the whole idea of velocity. Well, well, take me back a little bit. Tell me how you got to, what were the aha moments in your career that ultimately culminated in this, in this unique um, approach that you really own. You've written the book, you speak on this, you consult on this as well. What were your learnings over the year that led you to this? Well, I have to thank my father because um, it was an abusive relationship. <clears throat> he loved us, but coming from the Holocaust, he didn't really know how you know his issues were. You know, He had a lot of grief put onto him, let's put it that way. Sure. And he didn't know how to manage that grief. So it was very restrictive and you had to really think ahead as to how you're gonna come across because if it was the wrong thing, it could lead to severe consequences. So that led me to think five steps ahead of my clients. So that's one thing that I learned that served me really well in business. Second thing is when I wanted to get a sales job after college in 80, I couldn't get a job to save my life because I said, you don't have experience. And I'd say, well, how do you get experience and not given the opportunity? So I started retail for two years, but then I finally got an opportunity. Conoco Minolta in 1982, they had their first plain bond copier. You remember this day, revolutionary, oh, no yeah. more liquid toner that takes your nice jacket out of the way. It was, you know, a dry bond cartridge, put it in, put it out, boom, 15 crisp copies. They were seducing me to take the job. 
And I say, do you have the collator? No, don't worry about it being six months. A duplicator, no, six months. You got this one copier. Look how sexy it is. And I took the job. And then for the next three months, I'm trying to sell this one copier against the big Xerox machine on the third floor. Office manager goes, can it collate? No, duplicate, no. Come back when you can. Well, after the door hit me too many times in the butt for three months, and it was black and blue, I decided to pause. Now, before I paused, I started telling myself stories. I'm no good. I can't sell myself out of a paper hat. I'll never how, how old were you? At, how old were you at the time? Well, I was born in 56, so uh, 26 years old. There you go. Okay, keep going. And I'm, and I'm telling myself you know, all these stories. Now, we have stories in our mind. Anytime anybody says or does something, we create a story as to what it means. And most of the sure, time, sure. we're wrong. Now, if a story is serving you well, keep doing it. But if it's not, it, see, as you know, as a speaker and I do, stories are fueled by emotion. If it's a good emotion, keep it. If it's a bad emotion, remember this one thing. Whoever wrote the story can rewrite it. And the moment you realize that, a lot of the emotion lifts off your shoulders because you can say, oh, there's a different way to look at it. So in the book, we also, we talk about stories a lot, but we also talk about um, how uh, the emotions get in your way, right? And you gotta lift that emotion. So if you're not doing well, pause. You can get more velocity and pause. If you don't pause, you're gonna keep doing the same thing over and over and keep burning yourself out. So I decided to have a board meeting with myself, me, myself, and I. We went out to a diner. And as I paused, it allowed me to get some of that negative emotion up. And I was no longer entertaining the idea I couldn't sell. And I said, okay, what's going on? Well, I'm going in, selling this copy and they compare me to the third floor. Can you compete? No, why are you competing? What does a copy really do? Well, it's part of the communication process. So I decided to try it. I had no idea it was gonna work. I didn't have the answers up front. So I went in and I tried something different. I went to the office manager and said, would you agree with me that a copy is nothing more than part of your communication process? And she said, absolutely. And I said, when it comes to that, what are your three biggest issues? David, it was like I was a therapist. She was in my, out, in my office laying on the couch, giving me all her roles. I got Sally or Jack. They got to make one copy on the first floor. They get up. By the time they walk to the staircase and talk to everybody, get up to the third floor, then have to wait behind all those huge jobs, then make the return trip back down, it can take two hours. I said, how often does that happen? They said, try the equivalent of two full-time employees. And I remember this, I looked at her and I said, how would you like them back? And she looked at me like, how are you gonna get back those two full-time right. employees to me? What you, yeah. Yeah, I said, because I'm not selling you one machine, you need to buy three of them. Let me explain. I'm not here to compete with the third floor. That's a great machine, keep it. I'm here to create. Create solutions that fill your gaps. Your gaps are the two full-time employees that are wasted to trying to go to the third floor. Love it. I'll eliminate it. You put one of my inexpensive copiers on every floor, you'll get those one and two copy jobs done. And she, sold, she bought three machines that day and I started selling multiple machines going forward when I couldn't sell one in the first three months. What was the difference? tried an approach, didn't work, told myself stories, helped me, my, myself back. I paused, thought about it, tried to change the conversation, and it worked. That's what we're talking about.
I like the idea of, of shortening that sales cycle because you know more. There, there's been people talking for a long time, Ron, you know this about um, in sales, you got to ask questions, whatever else, but it, but it seems to be approached from the, the standpoint of that's the tactic, that's the approach, as opposed to it's the mechanism to find the information you need to be able to alter your approach. Sure. Right? So, so uh, a major financial services company brought me in, they knew their numbers. It took their uh, financial advisors five calls to get a new investor online. They, their main market was the uh, retirement community in the United States. So they would call, call to retiree homes. And so they hired me to help them reduce the sales cycle for five calls. And um, I went on a couple of cold calls with a guy and I can see, and he was somewhat successful in four to seven year range, mid range of experience. And we go into this beautiful couple's home and the first thing he does is he starts looking. It was outside Chicago. He sees the Chicago Bears picture. He starts talking about the game and how they lost. He sees pictures of the grandkids. He's all trying to build that human connection. Problem was he was doing it for 12 minutes straight. And I was looking at the, the <laughs> older couple. And they were polite Midwesterners. But you can see their eyes rolling like, what is he doing here? Right. So we got out of the call. Didn't go anywhere. And I said to him, look, cut it down to 30 seconds. And then I want you to say this. Would you do this for me? He goes, sure. I said, I want you to say, look, I'm not here about stocks and bonds. I know you got somebody already. I'm just here to ask you a really important question. Do you mind if I ask you? And they'll say, go ahead. The question is this. What are the three most important things you want to create for yourself in the future when it comes to your financial resources? And all of a sudden, they start opening up college tuition for my kids, retirement, whatever was on their mind, they started saying it. And then they got into the conversation they needed. So in the book, The Velocity Mindset Day, we talk about, you have to act like a leader, you gotta be an influencer. I don't care what you're influencing. Sure. So the first thing a leader does is they set the right environment to have a great conversation. And you gotta predict what the environment is. So if I'm a salesperson cold calling, or even if I have an appointment, I know I'm going into that person's office when they got a lot of fires going on. I'm the least that they're thinking about. And all of a sudden, I'm interrupting their day. We are an interruption. Now, there's a hormone in the brain called cortisol, the stress of flight hormone. Right. You don't eliminate it. But if we go in, all of a sudden, their cortisol goes up. What are they trying to sell me? What do I have to protect right. myself? The barriers go up. Right. Exactly. And if you don't recognize that and realize I got to do something to bring it down, then they won't be engaged with you. So if you go in there and start puking, which stands for people who have the knowledge about everything and all you do is talk, 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 their cortisol goes even more up. They're not engaged, they're not listening, and you're done. But if you ask them the question of where they're trying to go and you use like, what are the three things you want to accomplish or the three challenges, all of a sudden they put away all those fears because now they're lost in their lives. And there's a change in the brain and the cortisol comes down, they give you the answers. And then you simply present the one, two or three things that are going to help you help, you know, in context, help you convince them why it's the best thing. And you will shorten that sales cycle. So here's what happened. We reduced their sales cycle from five calls to three. Imagine how much more business you can write in that process. Sure. Show you how dramatic it was, Dave. One of the times I'm working with the partners there and they said, we got a class of, midstream advisors, four to seven years, can you do a one hour for them at the end of the class? I go, sure. And I did exactly what we talked about. 
this one guy called me up at 11 o'clock at night because we're staying in the same hotel. And he apologized for waking me up. He goes, I got to share this with you. I said, go ahead. I tried what you said. I said, okay, I'm listening. And he said, I had two widows, both had $100,000 to invest. One I'm working for six months, one for a month, can't get them to move. So what did you do? So I called them up and I apologized to them. I said, okay. And he said, look, you know, I realized I was having a wrong conversation. I never asked you the most important question. Do you mind if I do that? And they said, sure. He says, all I was doing was talking about stocks and bonds, but that's not really what it was about. Most important question is, what are the three things you want your money to provide for you in the future? All of a sudden, he got in a different conversation with both of them. One committed their funds to him that night, and the other one gave him another appointment. That's how dramatic the difference is when you do it right. Well, and the other thing I was thinking of is when you talk about, you know, reducing the average is five calls. You and I both know most people don't even get to five calls. They get shot shot down after one or two or before. Well, they, no, 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 they allow themselves to be shot down. Exactly right. Because their stories take over. Right. Every, everybody thinks that it's, we're going to do five calls. We're going to get the deal. Most of them never get to five calls. So being able to shorten that means you've gotten to the pain point of the customer faster. I would assume that you're also closing more deals faster. Oh, yeah, the closing ratio goes up because they're not wasting and they get the idea faster. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you're not losing people along that line. What's the biggest mistake? We've got a couple of minutes left here. What's the, the biggest thing that takes people off track? Right. The whole idea of sort of that that straightest the, the shortest distance between two points, right? Is that straight line being able to accelerate that line towards a specific distance. There are so many distractions, and I'm not just talking about social media or something else, but but ways that they get off course, features and benefits. What are some of the most common mistakes that organizations are uh, it, It's just one mistake. Sure. When they don't have the goal, the right goal clear in their mind. Because then they make the wrong decisions and they do the wrong actions. So is it the difference? Let me ask you real quick. I'll let you clarify this. Um, as I sort of speak for myself and the audience as well. Is it the wrong question? Um, one that's not recognizing the value of the incremental sale? Um, or the, Because if you ask most organizations, they'll say, we're very clear on what the goal is. And if I'm paraphrasing, you're saying that the goal eventually gets there. But what are the steps that lead to the goal? Well, that's a big, big conversation. Organizations are not very clear. Anytime I get brought in on consulting to build a high-performing sales coach and I start the CEO in the C-suite, they think they're on the same page, but they're not by the time they right. get through with them. So that's a different story. But for the person who's actually making the sales call, you've got to start with the insight first. That's the one thing. Just do that. Your whole fortunes will change. Because when you have the end in sight first, then you ask yourself, what do I need to do? What are the questions I need to ask? Where do I need to go? So what I call this is a grounding moment. Taking a few seconds, it may take you a little longer as you learn how to do it, but a few seconds before you pick the phone up, before you walk in, okay, what am I here for? What am I going to do? Does it match it? So you ground yourself. If you're going into a tough negotiation, what are they likely to do? You ground yourself so you're ready to answer that and you go in. That will make the biggest impact on your sales success. Talking to Ron Carr with the velocity mindset. Um, and it's and it's far more in-depth than that, but it's a great title. Uh, I encourage people to pick up the book. It's a great one. Uh, if you want, if people want to learn more about you, your consulting, your speaking, and the book itself, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So if they just go to velocitymindset.com. Um, they'll be invited to take a leadership assessment. It's five questions in five areas. And then they'll also get best practices and tips on how to move forward. That's all free. 
uh, we get their email just to keep sending them the videos every Friday that we come out with on Velocity, keep them in the conversation. And then there's a link to buy the book. If they want more of my services, simply go to roncard.com and car is spelled K-A-R-R, -R, roncard.com. Yeah, we'll make sure we put that in the, in the show notes as well so people can get in touch with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Hang on, you and I will talk on the other side of this. Um, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, you can pick up a copy of my new book. Uh, here it is right here for those of you watching the video version of this. The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Shake You Up and Wake You Up and Win More Business. You can um, leave comments. Please leave a comment below. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation or others as well, click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. And you can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidavarin.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Remember, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Ron Carr. I'm David Avern. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.